0: This is the lucky 13th, 99th episode. Oh yeah, I think God, the Twitter
1: hey, comments was enough to make sure you I made the right not to watch it. Right. You did, you did, it was terrible. It was like the, the most painful thing in a long time. Yeah. So speaking of painful things, uh, I finished oh, reading right. Berserk.
0: Oh yeah! And I'm not calling. I'm not that. calling the reading
1: that. of Berserk painful. I'm saying that it contains lots of painful actions happening within. That's a very good clarification. Yeah. Yes,
0: it, uh, and probably a very good way to explain it.
1: Yeah, it sums it up pretty well. It's. Uh, I mean, the main character's name is Guts. He was born from a dead woman who was uh, hung in a tree, hang, hanged in a tree. um and this is like back in the time of like castles and wars, and um, he gets found by a band of uh mercenaries back in traveling. the days
0: of castles and wars. Yeah. <laughs> kind
1: of a... Well, you need the castles to understand like the type of wars, I guess, but like it's you know, sure. it's all like people trying Medieval. to con- yeah. there you go. Yeah, um. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, there's, there's a storm here. I have a nice pressure headache, so uh, clarity of thinking is okay. my strong suit right now. So uh, you are here for clarifying my statements.
0: No, I, I think castles and wars is is much better description than medieval. Yeah,
1: now we're in the days of Twitter and wars, so it's not nearly as cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but Yeah, so anyways, I picked up Berserk uh, because I'll, when I started checking out Manga, uh, quite a few people recommended it. Um, I'll, I'll say it's kind of one of those ones where a lot of people, like pretty much everybody knows it, but a few people strongly recommended it and I was tempted to get the deluxe edition because it has lots of stuff in it, but I kept on, uh, kind of holding off and I was comparing between getting the paperbacks and, um, finally I looked on Amazon cause I, I wanted to find it, um at bull moose because like it's a $50 book but at bull moose I, I know they sell it for $40 because they always have discounts on books and i wanted to find it there and i actually couldn't find it um oh no no i i apologize i wanted to get it in stock trades because they always have a, a very steep discount on stuff published by dark horse they didn't have volume one of this so then i was looking at bull moose and i was like well it's 40 bucks i don't know that's a little steep and I looked on Amazon, and it was like 30 bucks on Amazon, plus I had $17 in credit. So I said, okay, well, now it's a $13 purchase instead of a $40 purchase, so I'll give it a shot. Because I, I really wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, even with people were recommending it. Like I knew just enough about it to know that it probably wasn't my cup of tea. And I get it in the mail, and I open it up and I'm excited to check it out. Me and my wife and my son are getting ready to go somewhere, so I'm like, okay, Tell my, I ask my wife to drive uh, so I can look at the book as we go. And I open up, and the very first page is uh, people doing it. I was like, all right, this is already starting off not how I expected. I guess I won't be flipping through this book in the car. And oddly enough, that's the majority of, uh, of the doing it in the book.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. And it turns out, isn't he, it's like doing it with a demon that's trying to kill him. Yep. So...
1: Yeah, it's so I was like, that's, or something. that's making quite a statement at the start of it. But yeah, so I, I did, I, I just finished reading through it all, and... Um,
0: it, it kind of is a litmus test. It's almost like, okay, all right, if you're okay with this, you'll probably be okay with everything else that happens in the book. And if you're not okay with this, you're probably not going to really quite be up for everything else that's in the book.
1: yeah i gotta say like you know i read the whole thing and this is this is a long volume like you read the first volume this is uh a collection of the first three volumes but it's i think it's like over 700 pages or about 700 pages so still you know a lot of content you commented before that it reads really quick because there's a lot of action that's definitely true that's why i was able to i actually read more than half of it yesterday and uh yeah like kind of getting through the first half i was just kind of like i just i just need to like keep pushing myself and finish this because it's like i didn't feel particularly compelled to read it and uh it's not that it was bad and if it's something you like like it's you're gonna enjoy it for me the like the, there was just like no real depth given to the characters and they don't really start giving much depth to uh to guts until the end of all of this volume so this is like this is three trades in, basically they start to flesh out his story some. It really feels like, um, like starting to read it, it feels like somebody who was, I, I don't know, like I don't know anything about the creator, but it feels like, um, how do I describe it? it? It's undeveloped, like raw and different, <clears throat> and like I am not used to telling stories yet, so you see that like as he goes, he gets better at telling stories, instead of just feeling like, more like a uh, amateur story, you yeah. know, like when you're in high school and your friend sits down to write a you know a a fantasy story and then they want you to read it, and like it's difficult to even read it because it's like so poorly written. This isn't poorly written, but it feels like that. It feels like I'm gonna make a story. I've never done this before. Yeah,
0: it's like, oh, where do I start? Well, let's see, let's make him just a a dude with a giant sword and he'll like fight demons. That sounds awesome. Yeah, well, what's his
1: name? The Black Swordsman. Yeah. Cool. All but what's right. His, like, but what's real his real name? <laughs> name? Guts. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It it, it seems like it kind of started from a really amateurish uh, premise, like he said. But then I think that he, he probably started to take it more seriously as he's writing. I say he, the creator, because I, I, I don't remember his name.
1: Kentaro Mura.
0: Okay, yeah. 'Cause it it almost seems like it started off just as like a, a drawing exercise in a lot of ways. Because I remember there not being very much dialogue at all throughout the entire thing. And that it's it's mainly it just seems like, well, I just like to draw cool stuff and, and a dude chopping demons up, so I'm just gonna draw that and kinda flesh out a little bit of a story around it.
1: Yeah, and you get a repetition, in some of the like the the points of it like is that even a sword? It's so big, like that, uh-huh. I mean, and people say it the same way repeatedly, and like you're under the same thing of a bunch of guards. Heh, you can't beat us. Wait, is that a sword? Everybody's cut in half. Yeah. Blood spray everywhere. Yeah. Is uh is definitely like the one thing that like character wise, even though the elf is still pretty straightforward character wise, and there's not much depth grown in the elf pairing the the kind of the more sensitive side and the um the humor with with uh guts definitely makes it uh it probably makes it go from just like tedious to readable i think it'd be tedious if it was just like guts was just running around killing people and there was never anybody being like no you shouldn't do this because all he is is and he's very a very flat character through most of this you know You're weak, I don't care about you. You're weak. You're weak, I don't care about you. You're weak. I mean, that's like all he says when it comes up to the elf or you know somebody else who needs help. He doesn't want to help. They're weak. They're weak. They're weak. Yeah. Pisses me off when I see weaklings. I feel like I want to crush them. I mean, come on. Like, that is not good writing. Sure.
0: Well, I I think, though, uh, one of the things that, this book suffers from and uh, when I say suffer I mean if like from our perspective and and what we're looking for because I think we're looking for something where if there has to be insane amounts of mayhem and violence at least there's a a good story behind it that makes it feel like uh, there's something worthwhile about putting all this gore and mayhem into my eyeballs and it doesn't really seem like there is with uh, Berserk because I I was looking into it, and my first exposure to Berserk was the anime. And the anime starts off, like the first half of it, it is basically just uh, Guts having a big sword and them doing a lot of fighting. But it takes place in the past. It's basically um, the prologue to everything we're seeing in the books that we read, in the manga books we read. And it it starts off with him uh, being just like a young kid and uh, joining this band of a hawk, which is a mercenary war group led by this charismatic uh, leader. And then at first is just kind of them fighting battles, but then it gets into um, their leader, what his ambitions are and what he's trying to do. And then it eventually just kind of goes off the rails insane as the leader makes some very, very bad decisions to gain power. Uh, but it it took a while. It was one of those things where it seemed like it was just, okay, lots of fighting, lots of fighting, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, I really like these characters, and I'm really invested, and it is snuck up on me.
1: You know, And honestly, that's kind of how this is going. So, like, the first probably two-thirds of it feels like what we just talked about, but then you start getting deeper into it, and first... Like, the first part where you start to see more substance is uh, they go to this this place where the ruler is um, just very vicious. And um, they run into this guy who his family was um, all murdered and eaten in front of him by this ruler who uh, is, um, like, it was basically, like, sold his soul and is is, uh, no longer human for the most part. And... The story's crazy. Like, uh, the the story that the, this creepy little guy that wants you to help him kill this ruler tells you is that um, a band of heretics kidnapped the ruler's wife and, and the ruler, like, was, like, trying to stamp out heresy and they said, let us practice our pagan religion or we're gonna, you know, uh, kill your wife and he doesn't do that because he would need permission by the king anyways. And so they... Um, they sacrifice his wife alive, and then um, he finds this artifact that allows him to like be like start basically start turning into a demon, um, and then he uses that power to just start crushing all heresy out. But then he doesn't kill who is he doesn't care who he's killing anymore. He just like kills everybody. But then later on, you find out when they actually so that you get the big battle with him and guts, and he turns into this like big giant demon form, it's like a big snake demon, and, right? He's like a caterpillar oh okay
0: i'm I'm confusing um, you with another demon he fights, i think
1: yeah he he fights lots of demons, and so they they end up getting transported to this uh this other dimension where there's the five uh members of the god hand, and this is essentially where you start to uh, to see what guts is trying to get to fighting against, and you still don't exactly know why, but then they also tell the true story of what happened with with uh this man. Where he was trying to like fight against paganism and he was gone a lot and he came back to his, his, um, you know, his whatever. He's not, he's not a king, but he's a leader. So his, I don't know his castle, his keep whatever, but he comes back and his wife who is like, who he loves more than anything in the world is in, um, in this like big pagan orgy and he slaughters everybody before he could even think gets down to his wife, but he can't kill her. And he get, he prepares to kill himself and his sorrow opens up this portal to this other dimension from this weird artifact and um they you know these these members of the 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 godhead offer if if he will give them his wife and sacrifice then they will give him this power which is starting to turn him into a demon so he does it. Because he can't, he can't bring himself to kill his wife, and so then they like rip her to shreds and eat her, and that that like starts him down this path of turning into this this just monster. And his, this was when his daughter was like a, a baby, so then in this part of the story, it's seven years later, so his daughter is a seven year old, and he's like literally just about dead, like guts chopped off his head, so like his head is still alive, but barely. He's begging for them to kill Guts. They think they ax ac- They they think they accidentally killed Guts, and um, then they're like, "Hey, you're about to die." And guess what? When you die, you're not like going to some kind of reward. You're going to hell. Uh, your soul is ours, and that's not going to change. Uh, if you want us to give you more power and bring you back, you need to sacrifice us. Somebody that matters to you, and the only option is his daughter. But he refuses to do it. Dies gets dragged off to hell and then guts fights against them yada yada the story goes on from there like they end up getting um booted out of this other dimension uh the the girl survives um but you start to see more of what guts is fighting for you also get a story that has a lot more emotion entangled in it and is more complex and then the next story which the last story in this this big hardcover is the first part of the next story which, um, I mean, definitely, like, I got to the end of this. And I was like, I, you know, I'm not going to want to keep buying this. I'm not going to want to keep buying this. And I read that last story. I was like, but I want to know what happens next now. Uh, they got you. <laughs> so it goes back to when Guts was, uh, like, the beginning of his life. This is why I started saying. So this this band of traveling mercenaries cross his past with this tree that is just strewn with dead bodies hung up in this tree. And there's a, a, a baby on the ground that a, a pregnant woman was strung up and the baby like she she gave birth to the baby when she was dead so this one woman in the the party is clearly nuts and she goes running over and picks up the baby they're all like no no the baby is dead and they like knock the baby out of her arms and the baby like sputters and starts crying and so the baby wasn't dead and so they let her keep the baby. It turns out this the woman is the the wife of the leader of this mercenary group. They never explain why she's nuts, but like clearly she's the way she's acting, she seems like she's just like uh, you know, lost her mind from, from trauma, basically.
0: It's all the castles of um, war.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um she she had lost a baby at some point before this, like I think it had just happened. So like that's basically all that they really say. So that's why she sees this dead baby and thinks it's her baby, you know. So she keeps the baby. The baby is guts. You know, guts grows up a little bit. Is still very little. Uh, the mom, or you know, the adopted mom, uh, gets the plague and is dying. You know, the the her husband is off. You know, doing his mercenary work. The people that are like tending to the mom are like, you know, he should be here. And guts just like storms his way in when they're telling him not to. He's like a little three year old or whatever, and goes and holds his mom's hand while she dies. Hmm. And then like you know, growing up from there, it's like uh, the guy really has no like He ha- as you know, clearly negative feelings towards guts. Um, I mean, they named him guts for good, you know, goodness sake. But uh, really, really tough on him, pushes him, um, like you know ready to cast him off ready to kill him whatever but like guts keeps on being tough and fighting against it and um so you kind of see like him like fighting against all this adversity um not in any kind of like i can do it kind of way but just like stubbornness and but anyways like so you're starting to see his you know the, the what brought him to where he is you get a there's another part uh where you get a little glimpse of him when he was uh and this was actually in the last story, but uh, you get a glimpse of him on the battlefield when he was just, uh, you know, just a, a soldier. And one of the the five members of the Godhead was just another soldier with him. So they didn't explain like how that person went from person to demon, but uh, you get a glimpse of that. So like, you start to get a glimpse of like, there's more layers to the story. You know, there's more threads starting to be intertwined. So I definitely see we like going forward from this point there's going to be more of what I would want in the story, but I'm not going to spend another, you know, I'm not going to buy another $50 book to read it. I'm not going to like hunt out the individual trades, you know, like, eh. I might like the thing that might tempt me is like a comicsology sell for like, you know, if the, cause I think the volumes are like $11 digitally. Uh, so like five fifty on a 50% off sale, I might grab the next one and read it at some point, you know? Sure. Yeah.
0: That's kind of where I am. I, I think, From the research I did, it looks like the the anime that I watched essentially starts with book four, and it tells like books I think like four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And and like you said, it's it's it starts with guts meeting another mercenary who eventually you find out is part of the God Hand here, Uh, but you have no idea about that when it all starts. And it's a story of how that happens, basically, and how he gets – you notice he has, like, a brand on his neck that, like, hurts him and stuff. And it's how he got that brand and what that means and how it drives him to be the person that we see at the very beginning of book one. So I I really like that story, and I'm actually – I'm kind of interested in going – to read the manga just to get the manga version of that. Cause I only saw the anime version and the anime is it's good and it's interesting, but it's also very anime like in the sense that it has a lot of the standard anime tropes to it mm-hmm. of characters l- staring off into distance with kind of dramatic music playing that is meant to be evocative but is also kind of just not (laughs) at the same time (laughs) and um so I, i am interested in reading the manga of of that part of it because it it was really good and and by the end of the anime i really really enjoyed it so
1: yeah, I think you would enjoy it. Keeping reading, uh, even like I, you've only read the first volume, right? Yeah,
0: only the first book, which is like the first third of what you read. Yeah. One thing I, I did really like about it, and I think I mentioned this when uh, I after I first read that volume, is it does a really good job of visually telling the story, because you can almost I think just not read the dialogue. And still pretty much get the story. You may lose some of the details about who's who and who's related to who and exactly what motivations are. But in terms of like just the actual what happens in terms of where people are showing up, who's fighting who, who's obviously slaughtering the other, it's all very visual. And I thought that that is really cool. Because it seems like sometimes comics can devolve into you have to read the words to understand the plot. And then the images are just pictures of what's happening in that moment. But I think when comics are really good, you can read them without reading the words and really kind of see what's happening.
1: Yeah. So I'm just flipping through a little bit. and the So the end of the first volume starts to tell the story of that um, the the creepy guy trying to stamp out heresy, and that story, like I said, is um, there's a lot more layers to it, and it, it gets a lot more interesting. So, like, I think even just picking up volume two, like, you'll be uh, more pleased than you were just with volume one. Okay. And volume three is a lot of it is the like the uh, climax of that story, and then the end of volume three starts to go into. Um, like uh guts's youth so volume four probably picked up or you, the manga probably i'm sorry the, the um
0: anime
1: anime thank yeah. you the anime probably picked up like at the sort of like at the end of volume uh, like the third trade of this um because like the way they're doing it is like you know what trade will like tell the very beginning of the next story it's uh, kind of a okay. Like as a as a somebody buying them that I could see that'd be kinda irritating. Like I want this to end with a story, not like start with the ne- like end with the beginning of the next story. But man, that's a good way to make you want to buy the next volume, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's I guess yeah. smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would say next time you see it on sale, pick up pick up the second one. I don't think you'll regret it. And then if you pick up the second one and you like it, like you'll definitely like to keep going from there. But yeah, for me it'll be, you know watching for a sale and if I'm in the mood to read it when I mean there's plenty of dark horse sales on Comixology for you know like half offline wide and stuff like that so I'll wait for something like that if I want to check it out more yeah sounds
0: good that's kind of where I am with it just I can wait
1: one last thought too with the art uh, as it develops like as he gets better going through it um, by the end of of this collection I felt like there were some similarities between his art and like Jose Juan Rip I can see that yeah the just the the texture and then also the the depictions of graphic things but not in like in a less exaggerated way than you usually see so it's like kind of less grotesque in a way but also very grotesque
0: yeah Hmm, that's a really good comparison and i didn't quite put that together but when you say it it seems like yeah absolutely i do see a lot of similarity
1: between those two Alright, and that closes the book on Berserk okay. Deluxe Edition Volume One. So I caught up on the Hickman X
0: Men stuff. And I read up to just about the right before the beginning of this, this current X of Swords crossover. Yeah. And I love it. This right now, I feel like these like eleven or twelve issues that I read maybe the best superhero comic i've ever read and i know that's a pretty big bold statement but i feel like this is so different from a typical superhero book in that it this it, i i'm hesitant to like compare it to watchmen but i feel like in terms of how revelatory it is I think it's it's kind of warranted because Watchmen was all about taking superheroes to the realistic endgame of what they would be. Like, if superheroes were real, what type of people would actually be superheroes? And what sorts of things would they do? How would they behave? Like, what type of person would actually sign up for this sort of thing? Like, what... What has to be going on in somebody's head for them to think, you know, I should put on a costume and fight crime. And so Watchmen is kind of the end of that part of superheroes, like that kind of line of thinking of like, what does it take for somebody to decide to be a superhero and put on a costume and fight crime? But this is about, okay, the X-Men are people that are, are different from humans they have these abilities and it's more now about how do they create their own society and that the the book isn't about, Hey, we're heroes and we're fighting villains because now all the heroes and all the villains are on the same side and they're basically fighting for their existence and to build this whole new nation and this world and this culture around them. And that's really what the book is about is saying if there were these powered individuals and they were this different from humans what would they do in terms of actually creating a society and it jumps so much further than well we'd start a club and be the avengers and we would fight cr- crime and fight kang the conqueror and you know ultron when he shows up like it's all of that idea it feels petty to me compared to what's going on in X-Men, which is about how, how do we create a world for ourselves? How do we make it safe? How do we head off the threats? How do we deal with all the things that have always stopped us in the past from doing this? And it is just like blowing my mind in that way because it's just, it's, it's like moving beyond superheroes. It's like post-superhero powered comic stories. And it's just really, really excellent. Really liking it. Like, I, I think right now my, my favorite issue I've read, it was issue four. And what happens in it is that Charles Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse go to like a UN summit, an economic summit, like some sort of global economic summit to basically say, okay, here's, we're representing our new nation of Krakoa. And they basically show up into this meeting and tell them, here's what's happening. It's basically, here's all the ways that we have the upper hand here. Here's all the ways that you can benefit and you can choose to go along with it, or this is going to end very, very badly for you. And it is just so interesting to read that in a superhero book because it's kind of like about these superheroes that are just sick of being superheroes and deciding to build their own world. And what are they going to go up against? It's uh, just really, really fantastic.
1: I read some of uh, the X-Men titles. I I read all of house of X powers of X and I read... I don't remember exactly how many issues I read of X-Men because I, I was sticking with it for a while and then I just decided to completely cut off of monthly books. Um, and it wasn't for lack of enjoying that one by any means. Um, they do have the first trade of, of X-Men available on Hoopla, uh, which is the first six issues. So like, I actually have that downloaded right now. I just haven't been in the mood to read um, read uh, you know American comics, basically. It definitely, like, I was wondering how much you were going to talk about that I would remember from it, and I remember it. And, like, I couldn't remember the things I was remembering if they took place during that part or during uh, the Hawks the Pox part of the story. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, like, I, I really feel like what Hickman is doing is um, really is a revitalization, whereas when they relaunched Uncanny X-Men before House of X, Powers of X happened... I was excited for it because I was like, okay, I want an X-Men book. Finally, they're they're bringing back Uncanny X-Men. So I could say, like, just this is the one that I'm getting. And then it was just a mess. Like, the way they did it was expensive and was... Like, the first story of that Uncanny X-Men run was a 10-issue story that was coming out weekly... The first and last issue were both like $8 books instead of $4 books. I remember
0: you talking about this how it would just yeah. was so expensive, it just
1: and they had terrible. so many writers on it that it really it didn't feel like they weren't telling one good solid story It's like they just had this big mess of ideas. And after that, like after those 10 issues, it still ran for another like I think another 10-ish issues as a monthly book. And what disappointed me was you got through all that and it ended up never going anywhere. Like you got to the point where they were clearly just treading water. I was like, what's the point in that? You know, like these stories are not good enough just as a story to read. They're messy and they need to get somewhere. If they get somewhere, the messiness is okay. So with Hickman's stuff, one, they don't feel Messy. I can see where for a lot of people they may not be satisfying because it's not like a, a quick action-packed story. Like it's, it's, it's slowly something developing yeah. something and it's making you think. And like I've seen a lot of people like complain about the infographics and stuff like that. Oh, I love honestly, you can those. read the stories. Yeah, I like them too. Like one, they're they're done in a way that's visually appealing. Um, and two, like, whether or not you care about the information, like, you don't have to read it to read the story and still know what's going on. It just adds, like, it's giving you a, a depth of information with it.
0: But I think that there, the infographics do have, hidden within them, there are important revelations that when you put it together, start to show a little bit about what's going on. Like, one thing I saw is there's this infographic about there's a group of characters called the summoners that he invents for this series and there's an infographic early on about the summoners and who they are and then much later if like six, eight issues later there's another infographic about the summoners and when you compare those two you can see that things are changing with this group of characters in ways that isn't being shown on the page yet and so there's little hints like that in those infographics that when you really dive into it, it makes it worth it to really dive in and pay attention to that stuff.
1: Definitely. Like the information is definitely purposeful and you can look at the infographics and it can actually, um, like I remember reading through house and powers and the infographics. Sometimes you'd be confused about a point of the story, but then when you looked at it, it kind of makes you realize what was going on just by the you know mathematical analysis of it you know like if you go from this many to this many or vice versa or whatever it you you see just statistically the trend of what's happening and that that can help you kind of put the pieces of the story together which one was it that jumped around in time was that powers powers of 10 yeah yeah so powers um especially reading it as it came out it would kind of be like okay what the hell's going on now some of the time, uh, because it was jumping around like that, not reading it like, okay, I'm reading through the whole story all at once, like, you know, I don't necessarily re- retain, like, all that information, that's why sometimes I really don't like reading books monthly, like, um, I, as much as I like Hickman stuff, like, I think this is kind of a good, a good example, like, there's a, a, a plus to reading monthly, and I think that when it's this kind of slow buildup, especially this meandering buildup where you're jumping back and forth in different stories, essentially, it can make it difficult to follow because what's keeping it fresh in your mind? Like, you know, so, but when I would get lost in what's going on, um, the infographics would help me like realign all that stuff with the, with the stuff I had read before because it was something that you can kind of like, okay, I looked at both of these pieces, so I see how these are, fitting together and that tells me how the story's fitting together too mm-hmm. so it yeah i mean it just like with anything it all kind of depends on what you want like if you don't want to read a book with a bunch of information that you have to read like i know sometimes i do not want to read a comic that has prose thrown in there here and there you know sometimes i do um like Watchmen was a good example for that like uh the last time i tried to read Watchmen, i got to some of the prose parts it's like i'm not in the mood for this like i want something that is not slowing me down like this you know but um, it's, you know, it can d- be dependent on mood, not just on whether or not you like the thing too. So if it's good, then that's kind of a point to challenge yourself if it's something that you haven't done before.
0: Yeah. I think right now I have very little interest in reading a superhero comic. That seems uh, pretty much like the most uninteresting thing I could read right now is just, a comic book about a superhero being a superhero and doing superhero-type things. And so one of... But at the same time, I really... I love X-Men. And X-Men is one of my favorite comic book properties. So for me, what I'm reading is these characters that I really, really enjoy, but then doing something that is bigger and greater in scope than the typical superhero narrative. So Mm -hmm. I, I it's kind of... I'm getting to like have my cake and eat it too in a way. Yeah. Which is just for me just absolutely fantastic. And at the same time, Hickman seems to really understand his X-Men history and there's a lot of stuff woven in that really digs deep into the um the past Of X-Men and makes things that were important in the past very important again like the relationship between Mystique and Destiny is becoming a a really huge plot point and it's just touched on here and there but it just reminds us again like hey this happened and it was very important and is like Mystique absolutely remembers this and she absolutely is aware of the fact that the Mutant Council is not bringing Destiny back for some reason. And it is clearly building to something, but we don't quite know what yet.
1: Another reason I want to reread it. Um, so in my, my collecting X-Men, I have, I'm have i down to seven issues now to have collected between 94 and 300. Oh, awesome. And then beyond 300 is a whole other thing. But I still had a few more to go. The last most difficult issue to get, I didn't know why it was difficult, and I didn't put two and two together until somebody just flat out told me. Oh, the ninety-six. And it is the first, uh, yeah, the first appearance of Moira McTaggart. That one is, I mean, obviously it's gotten difficult, be you know, thanks to Hickman. Uh, so I should have got that before he had to come along and make her matter. But yeah, so, like, just chasing that issue, and, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't care about getting high-grade Books like I want, I want to have the collection. I don't want them to be disgusting. Like one thing I cannot stand is water damage. But like it doesn't need to be high grade. So I kept, I kept watching, and like it looked like I was going to have trouble getting it for much less than a hundred bucks. And I was like, that's, it's pretty steep. I mean, I got, I got ninety four for hundred and forty something bucks. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept watching, and finally I found somebody had it buy it now on eBay for. I can't remember what it was, but some pretty reasonable, like 40 ish dollars So I just snapped it up, like, no problem. Um, so I was glad to get it and have it put away. But just, like, seeing how – like, you can tell when a book is just an expensive book. But when a book is just an expensive book, you find lots of them listed online. You know, it's like it's it's not hard to find it. It's just, like, that's, that's its threshold. That's its price point, you know. Yeah. But when a book is sought after – like you really got to think every opportunity you see it. Should I pull the trigger, or if I don't, am I not going to be able to find it, or am I going to have to spend even more on it? And uh, this was kind of one of those books. Like I, I had to kind of think about it, and like you know, until I found that one that was a good price, it was just beyond my threshold anyway. So it kind of made it an easy decision, but it, it got me kind of uh, thinking again about. You know Mo- Moira McTaggart and how Hickman made her much much more important of a character, and uh, so yeah, so I- I'm interested in rereading it again from that angle. But it just is it is really interesting, like you said, talked about mystique and and destiny, and um, I think there's a lot of different characters like that. That it's one thing to bring a character back and use them; it's another thing to like use a character in a way that makes them important when they haven't been. And I think that's one thing that Hickman is doing is he's making characters important and you can't force it. Like you can't just be like, uh, what's a random character you, like forge. Mm-hmm. Like when's the last time you saw forge in, in a book?
0: Well, it's funny cause I actually, he he's just showed up in this X-Men run well, pff, there in you a, go. an interesting way. Right? But it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hijacking your thought here, but they bring him back and they give him a role that makes sense for him. Like an important role in this society, but it absolutely makes sense that he would be a good person for that. But, yeah,
1: go ahead. Yeah. You can't just have him show up and, like, okay, here's Forge. Now let me, like, tell you through dialogue in, like, one page why Forge is so important. And now that makes Forge so important in the story and you feel attached to him and yada yada. No, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You have to build why you want to see Forge. And the way Hickman does it is just like you said with Mystique and Destiny. It's not because hickman's like here's destiny destiny is so important you should feel bad or you know you should feel awkward or you should you should feel the tension that she's not in this position or she's not being brought back they they show you the past story they build up the emotions between between mystique and destiny you know it's like they have to build all these tensions and tension has to be built you you can't just say no no here's the tension and it's like that with any character gosh i'm trying to one of the books that I, I picked up a, uh, a bunch of copies from when my comic shop was closing was, uh, I think it was Excalibur. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, like, I read that and I probably wouldn't have otherwise, um, if I'm even remembering correctly. Is it
0: like the the early parts of the run, like the the stuff from the, like, the late 80s, early 90s? No, no,
1: like the Hickman run. Or oh, Hickman okay. Run, but like the, the, the recent this Excalibur. era of X-Men, yeah. Okay. So they were like new books and I was able to get them for like a buck a piece instead of, you know, four bucks a piece. I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll give these a shot. It's pretty much like anything that was like this era of X Men. If I was getting it for a buck a piece, was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. Uh, but some of the characters I was exposed to there, same thing as like characters I didn't really know, and uh, the 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 tension had to be built for why things were important. But I, I think in Excalibur, that's where um, in the the first arc, um, Rogue gets. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to mishmash. I really got to revisit these things. Cause I, I read these all quickly, like, earlier this year and read a bunch of other. So I, I'm just going to kill my story right there. Sounds good. Okay. And just say that um, just the way that, uh, like, not even just Hickman, but in the other books, too, uh, that are written by others, the way that characters are brought in and used seems a lot better than what we've seen before. And it's not just here's a character. You should care. And then we do something with them. Mm hmm. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, it's so uh, I'm I'm gonna start diving into the X of Swords crossover next, and I'm really curious to see what goes on with that because I've I've liked this Hickman stuff enough that I just decided I'm just gonna get all of the X of Swords.
1: Nice, like all the all the crossovers and all that stuff too.
0: Yep, yep. So like all, it's like twenty two parts I think to the story. I just decided, you know what? I'm just I've I've got enough trust at this point in the story that's being told, I'm just going to go for it and, and enjoy it. And hopefully it's, it's worth it.
1: Yeah. See, that's a good feeling when you're like, I trust this enough to not look back on 22 issues and go, what the hell?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and maybe I will, right? Maybe I'll get through this and be like, uh, yeah, maybe it's time to just like drop this from my pull list, but we'll, maybe not. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, it was like that uncanny X-Men, that 10 issue run I was mentioning Forty-eight dollar cover price. So I like the shop I was getting from. I got a ten percent discount. So still like forty-three twenty. And I look back and I'm like, I spent forty-three twenty for that story, and I did not feel good about it.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's that's not a good feeling.
1: Yeah, but with Hickman, I have confidence that it's like I I look back. I I had stopped getting monthly books shortly after that. At least I think I cut all the X Men books. And I picked back up with House and Powers and that I look back at those 12 issues and I don't know if any of them were like an extra cost issue. Probably the first issues were something like that, but still like so if there were 12 issues at $4 a piece, that'd be $48. So, you know, still 40 plus dollars. I can look back at that and be like, that was worth it. You know, yeah, very, very Mm -hmm. different feeling. Yeah. Yeah so X of swords yep. we'll be talking about that soon.
0: Yeah, we sure will. Yeah, I think I have the just the the first issue, the first couple issues of it now and uh, the rest should be coming out in the next couple months or so.
1: Nice. I, I look forward to hearing more about it. I uh I want to dig more into some of this stuff and I know a lot of it is on Hoopla, which is nice. Um and Hoopla for anybody listening who hasn't caught us saying what it is your library may or may not use the service um but if you have a library card all you have to do is go to com, and you can um see if you can use it you just put your library card information in and if your library subscribed to the service you're allotted a certain number of downloads but it's really really awesome for comic books and like with dc and marvel they have a lot of really current stuff and even with some other publishers um so like the first trades of all of the Hickman era X-Men stuff is on there. Um, so it's like, hopefully as the next trades come out, like the, it'll keep being available. Like there's no telling with that, but it's definitely a good way to, to try stuff out that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Cause like blowing 20 bucks on a, a trade paperback of, you know, five ish issues of a comic is pretty steep. If you don't know if you like it or not. Sure. Yeah. So boy, do I have a recommendation for you. So after talking about Berserk and being like, eh, get it if you want, this book is good. Okay, this book I strongly recommend to everybody.
0: Strong, a strong recommendation. This is a, this is a, a book we haven't talked about. I I think right.
1: I think I have mentioned it, but we haven't gotten in depth at all on okay. it. Uh, and would you would you say like highly recommended or highest recommendation? I'd say this is um, this is probably a highest recommendation. Like the Ooh. only difference I could say between this and something else that would be higher recommendation is you know how there's a uh, certain things that not only are super good to read, super entertaining, and you loved it, and you know anybody should, um, but they also kind of transcend, and there's something like just special and like artistic and ethereal to you. Like mm. I wouldn't say this hits that level. This isn't that like oh my, you know, this isn't. Uh, this isn't Sandman for me, where, like, not okay. only do I love it, but it also, like, hits that this is something special that I could literally never read this again, and I'm still going to always think of this as my favorite thing. But as I keep reading it, who knows? Like, maybe it will keep on climbing up. But this this, this story is fantastic. So, so
0: this isn't on the throne of Valhalla, but it's in the hall of Valhalla. Yeah. Okay.
1: There you go. There right. you go. It's – uh. It's not Thor, but it's definitely one of his drinking buddies. Gotcha, okay. Um and th- not one of the lame drinking buddies, like one of the cool ones that kicks ass in a fight.
0: Okay. I, I can't um, remember
1: any of their names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, do they have names? There's like the fat guy with the beard, I don't know. There's yeah. the, the chick who's kind of fights better than the rest of us um, She's you know.
0: she's Lady Sif. That I okay, remember go. that one.
1: She she's the best one.
0: And there's the, it's the Warriors Three. And yeah. their names are like Hobart and gumbard and I, I don't shoot. I know that's yeah. not it. Everyone's yelling at me there right now. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a Thor fan?
1: <laughs> so um, this book is 20th Century Boys. It's by uh, Naoki Urasawa. Um, so as I have been learning about manga, um, it's really great when you hit a thread where you suddenly go like, ooh, like I can follow this thread anywhere and I'll be happy. I haven't read it. This is the, the first book I've read by him. I haven't read anything else, but it's a good example where People recommend lots of different stuff by this creator. Uh, I have picked up the first volume of another title he, he does called Monster. haven't read it yet. I picked up the second volume of this because when I was getting to the end, I was like, I know when I want to read the next volume, I don't want to have to wait. And when I say volume on these, um, like this one is over 400 pages. Um, so these are hefty, hefty
0: books. This is kind of like yeah. the size of the Berserk book, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, the Berserk is bigger, but um, this is still, I think, um, I would assume these are probably released in smaller trades first, and uh, my guess is that this is probably, like, three trades worth of material. That seems to be the, the going theme uh, with uh, with manga, is, like, they have, like, the, the small trade paperback releases, and they'll have these bigger collections um, that they'll usually call, like, the uh, deluxe collection or something like that. Like, this isn't a hardcover, I think it's still a paperback. Cover price is 20 bucks. I got it for 14 bucks at Bull Moose. Um, I think they're like 14 to 16 on Amazon. It's like usual. You can get them uh, cheaper elsewhere. But it's a heck of a lot of entertainment for so little money. So this story, um, part of it is it centers around this I I'm, you know I'm awful with names I actually meant to to go on and and get a list of the names I'll do this for uh for next time I talk about the story so I can represent it a little bit better um but I was ill yesterday so my ability to do extra work was not there um but it centers around this one character who's a I would guess 30ish man um he's running a convenience store essentially he's taking care of his sister's kid and his sister has disappeared his mom's always yelling at him for converting the liquor store to a convenience store because the liquor store was like the family business that his dad started um and she's pissed that basically that he changed it at all um she's also pissed that he's even taken care of his sister's kid like she surprisingly has you know is the one being like you know we need to find something to do with this kid, so you can focus on this business, kind of a thing. How are you going to get a, you know, get a, a wife with that kid, you know, kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you start to build that a little bit. Um, there's flashbacks in the book uh, to when he was a kid, uh, which the book is taking place uh, starting out in '97, and it flashes back to '69. The flashbacks have a very um, "Stand By Me" feel to them. Uh, where it's it's kids being kids getting into trouble, um, you know, this like band of friends, like they, they build their like little fort, they get uh bullied by these two really big kids. You know, like all the kind of typical stuff. But as you flash back, like it starts out just being these flashbacks and, you know, it feels good. But this is kind of a I guess kind of a sci fi story. It's a mystery story. Like there's a lot of elements to the story that make it really good. But, like, concurrently, this weird stuff is happening. People are getting killed. When one of their friends supposedly commits suicide, this one guy doesn't accept that it was a suicide, and he starts repeatedly running across this symbol, which is uh, kind of a key element of the book. And um, I'm trying to find a picture of it so I can describe it better. It is like a drawing of an eye with uh, a hand in the middle of it where like the kind of like the pupil of the eye, why it's sort of like a a small eye on top of the hand, which is like a hand, like if you put one finger up, uh, like you're saying one, Mm -hmm. um, and then that's set on top of a bigger eye. So like the whole thing looks like an eye, but then like you look at it closer and there's like smaller elements in it. So he starts to find this symbol pop up and uh, he had received a letter from his friend that supposedly committed suicide uh and one of the things in the letter was uh, he sent that symbol and was like do you know what this is and strangeness kind of ensues from there as you go through the story you start to find out more about it but one of the things that makes the story really good is as you go you keep on getting more and more characters layered in and the, these characters are all given depth like there's flashbacks that show kind of what makes them who they are so there's like the group of friends they all have different personalities and stuff like that. You get to see them develop. Um, you get to see them like a donkey, their friend that um, supposedly committed suicide, but you find out later on conclusively was it was not suicide. Uh, his flashbacks is one of the best. Like They don't want him to hang out with them. He's this little kid, always got snot hanging out of his nose, always carries around a snot rag. But one of the things, he doesn't have a bike. So they all have bikes, but he doesn't have a bike because he can't afford it because his family's poor. And, uh, but he can run like the wind. So he takes off his shoes and he can run so fast and, um, they're always trying to avoid him and get away from him. And so they go down on their bikes and this is when they were kids in case I didn't say that or you didn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go down to this, uh, this like gravel pit that's full of water and they want to go down there and like fish, but it's dangerous cause it's a gravel pit. So, uh, if you slide in, you can't get out because it's gravel. It's hard to climb you know, if up If you gravel. try to dig your way out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just tumbling down, you know? So they go down there, and they end up falling in. And uh, donkey's there. He shows up, and um, they can't get out. Like they're trying to help each other get out, but they just keep on falling in worse. So they're all like stuck in the water. And donkey runs away, and he comes back with a rope. He ties the rope to something, and you know they're all yelling, "What are you doing? You're so stupid! Go get help!" And um, he ties the rope to something and throws it in, but it's not quite long enough. So he pulls it back, ties his snot rag to the end of it, and then throws it in. And so the kid, like the first kid, has to grab onto the snot rag to be able to to pull out. So you see that kind of moment of like, ugh, I gotta grab this. But it's like, is that a, it's life or death? But it's also that kind of yeah, you have to get over your barrier of unacceptance with this kid to save your life. Hmm. Okay. So you know he grabs on. The other kids grab on. They get them all pulled out. And um, when the you know donkey gets them out, um, he's like, I um I wouldn't have gotten to help in time. You know, it's like he not only like recognized the situation, knew he couldn't just go get help. He had to be courageous. He had to make decisions and do something to try to save these other kids lives, because if he just went for help, he wouldn't have gotten help in time. So like, you know, that was the moment where they all like flipped from like, we don't want anything to do with this kid to he's one of us. And they all stopped riding their bikes because Donkey didn't have a bike so they all wanted to you know him to be able to to fit in and be a part of them so instead of losing him because they had bikes and he didn't they just stopped using their bikes oh, and like the whole nice. beginning of that story they they emphasize how important having these bikes are to them so
0: so it means a lot more that that happens yeah it, it,
1: so that's an example of the the character building and the story building in this like and it's not forced it's not like you know you start reading the story and it's like our bikes are very important but we stopped using bikes because of donkey like no <laughs> uh-huh. like they tell a story they build it and they, like each individual story has its own arc and it's you know it's tension like that like as they're using these stories to build the characters of these different people and like through it uh the main character as i said like he's watching his his uh, sister and he's taking care of his sister's kid he refuses not to you don't understand why that's so important till later on you start to see stories about how his sister took care of him when he was a kid And then eventually his mom admits that when they got pregnant with him, they weren't going to like her, like his mom and dad were having a conversation about even keeping the kid, about keeping him because they were poor and they couldn't afford another kid. And his sister said, I'll be the mom. And so like his sister grew up being a mom to him, even though he had a mom. And uh, so you you see elements like that. And he always had like a strong sense of uh, responsibility with taking care of his sister's kid. But then when he hears that story, it's, like, takes what he was already doing, and, like, uh, he's, you know, kind of, like, hurt that his parents were, like, seriously thinking about not having him. Hmm. Um, but he also is, like, even more impressed with, uh, like, he looks back at all the sacrifices his sister made for him, and then, like, seeing it through that lens changes it even more. So it's, like, he's had the sense of responsibility, but now it's just like throws it way over into a deeper, much more emotional edge. And there's just like layer after layer after layer being put on in the story like that. Like all these characters are being just built on and layered on. And meanwhile, throughout all this, like this first volume, I don't think you really see a ton of the sci-fi element. Um, you get a lot of the, the suspense, like there's, there's a lot of murders going on. Um, this weird symbols popping up all over and they're trying to put together the mystery of this. um, But there's little moments where it shows this weird contraption being built. And by the end of it, you discover that um, this symbol is associated with this cult. And the the leader they're following in the cult is our friend. Hmm. And in the end of it, you discover that the friend's purpose is to um, basically like to destroy the world. And this all stems back like by the end of this volume, he realizes who the friend is, and this all stems back to all these childhood stories, like all throughout he keep on getting these childhood flashbacks that, like I said, they really feel like stand by me, and all these different pieces start to get put together. You know, it's like, um, we've all seen movies like this where you tell a story, and then like later on in the movie, as details get revealed, the suspense is you know we're, we're getting all suspenseful. You see the same story again, but you see different elements that you didn't see because, like, the lens of your memory is expanded. You know, you're reminded of things or somebody else tells the story from their angle. Yeah. So you see this other thing that you com- you didn't remember was there at all. And then a little bit later on, you get the story again, and you see a different thing you didn't know was there. That's what the story is, is like. Like, the, the flashbacks are like that. They're layering on these things that you read, uh, you read this one story of a flashback. And you're like, oh, that was awesome. Like, that is definitely a complete full story. But then later on, you see the same time with a little bit different of an angle, and you're like, oh, this other thing was there, and we didn't realize the impact that this had on that.
0: That sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, like I, I don't want to, like, tell the whole story, and plus this is the first of – um, I I just saw somebody tweet that they got the ninth volume of this. Um, And, you know, a lot of times we look at a, a long series like this, we go like, oh, man, nine volumes. That's daunting. I don't know if I want to do it. Uh-huh do it like it doesn't okay. like I've just read the first one it's not like oh man I got to go out and buy the other I, I I bought the first one I have the second one I'm not like going to rush out and buy the next seven volumes but I'm going to keep on getting them one by one but this is so good that you're going to be compelled to keep reading and like you're definitely it's a good example of how people do themselves a disservice when they're like well that really good story is too long you know
0: okay yeah well it sounds really good I'll, I'm going to keep my eye out for it
1: yeah Get 20th Century Boys. Like, I cannot recommend this more. Uh, I've read a lot of different good things uh, that people have recommended to me, and quite a few of them I loved. But the uh, they would be the type of thing that I would recommend to somebody I thought would like them, rather than to be just like a this is good. Everybody would you know would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. This one is, is is so good, and you know so good in so many different ways that um, it definitely is a. I don't care what you like. I just defy you be... not to like this.
0: Cool. Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that then. That sounds like the, the kind of story that I like, where it's basically characters telling character story with character development, and then you realize that there's, like, more going on, and it sounds like kind of mystery-slash-conspiracy-esque a little bit, and that sounds great.
1: There's some good humor in it, too, which, uh, which is nice. I like, just the, the storytelling is, like... Urasawa is such a good storyteller like i'm looking forward to reading his other stuff this was so good that I, it's one of those where i can just go like hand, like there's no way the other stuff he does can't be good you know okay. kind of like uh junji ito like we, uh-huh. we each read a junji ito book and we both were able to go like yes anything else yes we'll check it out you know like no doubt no problem uh is definitely like that but junji ito being horror uh is a little more niche like that's not going to be for everybody yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ursawa, I already have monster. Another one I want to check out is called Pluto. And then I think I stumbled across another one of his that might be either is a newer one or I don't know. I just stumbled across one volume of it that just glancing at it. I would have bought it not knowing who he was just from looking at it. So strong, strong, strong recommend.
0: Cool. I like it. Sounds really good. All right, cool. Well, I, I think uh, maybe that's the right place to wrap this one up. We've been going about uh, an hour. And uh, I think that we talked about some cool stuff this week. So let's do that, huh?
1: Yeah, I feel. I feel like this was the most concise conversation we had. We're like, I want to talk about these things, and we did. That was all. That we <laughs> I know. I, about for I once. know. I'm. I'm kind of
0: shocked in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. We, we spent about 20 minutes on three different things <laughs>
1: that yeah. we planned to talk about. What do you know? <laughs> See, it shows the strength of our storytelling that we can uh, do things in concise different ways and uh, and do well at both. Yeah,
0: I like it. All right. Well, next time we promise to be much more rambling and meandering. So just just to don't get worried about a change in tone for the podcast.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, would you like to talk us out?
0: I sure would. Thank you for checking this out. If you listened to this, you probably know where to find all the other episodes, such as on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever you use to listen to this here already. You can find my friend Paul on Twitter at who's paul but there's no apostrophe in who is paul that contraction it's just who's paul all strung together and you can find me on twitter at bad deacon and that's where we usually hang out and talk to people and uh, try to avoid all the um, madness of the world at the same time which maybe Twitter isn't the right place for that, but hey, <laughs> we we've, we've making our choice and we're sticking with it.
1: The secret to that is blocking people. Just block them. You know, like what somebody says, just block them. That's block my philosophy. Em.
0: Block them! <laughs> That's his philosophy. I don't block anybody. I just uh, drive myself crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Different strokes for different folks. So thank you for tuning in, and we will uh, be talking again soon, and you can listen when we do so thank you